Hungry Trilobite Podcast would like to start by acknowledging these fine conventions. The Hellmouth Con. The Hellmouth Convention is back, and it's hosting a spectacular event in the place of all places, Torrance High School, the shooting location for Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Join us June 15th, 2024 for one day only. Proceeds benefit the Los Angeles LGBT Center and the Ron Glass Memorial Scholarship. Visit thehellmouth.org for details. SoonerCon 32. Oklahoma City's longest-running premier pop culture convention returns June 21st through 23rd, 2024. Prepare for three days of cosplay, crafts, tabletop gaming, and legendary guests, all in the friendly town of Norman, Oklahoma. To give back to the community, fundraisers and a live charity auction will be held. Visit SoonerCon.com to reserve your membership. Welcome to today's episode of the Hungry Trilobite Podcast. My name is Aaron Bossig, and I'm going to be your host. Today I'm welcoming Wells Thompson to the show. Wells has a comic called Mechaton, and several issues are already public now. You can find them in print form and on his website. The links will be in the show notes on my website, AaronBossig.com. I'm going to ask you to go ahead and check out the link on my website. Go to the Kickstarter and see if what he's talking about is your jam, because this guy has a lot of really cool ideas that are worth following up on. Let's get started right now. On mic today, we have Wells Thompson. How are you doing this fine evening? Doing well. How are you doing, Aaron? Doing great. I am really interested in this work that I found of yours. I've gotten to know Mechaton. It's a comic you created. And you've actually created a series of them, so I don't want to shortchange you there. Yeah, but there's uh, there's five so far, and we're putting out the trade right now. If it's if I'm just going to give somebody the Cliff Notes version, I'd kind of describe it as Voltron meets Spider Man. Okay. Okay. I mean, it's it's a a team of of wisecracking, not quite teens, I guess, in their early twenties characters who are kind of down on their luck, and they find the means to make a mech out of anything handy. Mm-hmm. And that leads to a lot of really fun comic possibilities, but it's still kind of a, it's got a serious moments in it. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, we wanted to, uh, you know, put a good balance of like very fun concepts, but still uh, taking itself somewhat seriously and, uh, and yeah, and, and just giving the the story and characters room to breathe. Uh, you know, I love myself like a Joe minute kind of uh, slapstick uh, comedy sort of thing, but we definitely wanted this to be more a little bit <laughs> we kind of wanted to trick people a little bit into 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 reading it thinking it's going to be uh you know very shallow and just you know kind of dumb fun and then you get into it and realize oh this is this actually has something to say um so yeah i i i adore the characters in this one when you build these kind of characters when you kind of draw the the reader in by having, like you say, the shallow slapsticky cover for what's going to end up being a, a deeper story overall. How do you build that in? Do you draw on your own life experience or do you just kind of follow the characters and see where their actions take you? I mean, it's a little bit of both. Um, we, you know, uh, Dalton and I, my, my co-writer, uh, we both are uh, siblings. I'm the youngest, he's the oldest. We're not siblings together. We just have siblings. Um, and uh, one of the things that we feel like media always sort of fails in is is showing that uh, authentic sibling relationship. 
how you are, you know, constantly, you know, ribbing each other in a very lighthearted way. There's there's a familiarity there that a lot of, uh, uh, you know, comics and, and movies and TV shows get wrong. Um, so we wanted to use the humor that comes from that and that relationship and make something really authentic, um, but also take care of characters seriously and, and see where they take us in a lot of ways. Um, you know, we have our big set pieces that we go to and we have our jokes that we put in, but really the story is just like, you know, this incredible thing happens to these people. How do they react to it? And how does that build and build and build? What consequences come of that? You're going to have me at a disadvantage here because I'm an only child. So I have no frame of reference for the sibling th factor. I think it works. I think it works for only children. Let me, let okay. me put and I, I'm not the final arbiter on that, obviously, but uh, yeah, no, I, I let me get her out of the way. Um, she's in, she's in front of my microphone. Um, but yeah, I, I just think that was our that was our starting point of like how, where we wanted to build out the relationship from. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think it's a, a book that works for everyone. Um, you know. It, it, it's a hit with it's a hit with like uh like middle-aged kids i would say but it's also a hit with uh 20 and 30 somethings that grew up on toonami and 40 year olds that love transformers and, and ninja turtles and uh it's just it's great for uh anyone who has that kind of saturday morning cartoon nostalgia i was just thinking as you were talking there that the mech is I don't want to say it's a timeless concept because it's kind of a late 20th century concept, but it seems yeah. to be perpetually popular as time has gone on. For sure. The yeah, only one I can think so of is like takes on it from mm -hmm. you know the very like straight face and serious Gundam to you know stuff like Ben 10 and Megas XLR that's just very dumb but very fun. Going back as far as I can think, it's like Mecha Godzilla would kind of be, yeah. I guess, the first big one. Sure. Yeah, and and Dalton in particular is a huge Tokusatsu fan. He loves Godzilla. He loves Ultraman. Uh, you know, grew up on Power Rangers and and sort of brought that into the into the DNA of the comic. And mechs in general have a, a kind, um, you know, big monster fighting movies in general. They have a sense of chaos about them, and that that's kind of what you get wrapped up in is that it's. Once they finally start fighting, things are going to start breaking. It's going to be absolute madness. And I, my head always goes back to how are people just not squashed dead everywhere here? Um, yeah, I, that's, uh, <laughs> yeah, there, there always is that sort of element of, of sort of danger and chaos to it. You're right. Um, we, we sort of play with that at first it's, that uh you know the, the mechs are a little bit smaller than uh your typical kind of mech uh anime or, or property would have um you know the the hot dog cart is you know uh, twice the size of a person but not huge mm -hmm. um and there's destruction but it's not overwhelming and then they grow bigger and bigger and, and so we sort of see some of the consequences from that uh as, as that happens and by the fifth issue you know you've got uh you've got towering behemoths and uh and and monsters that are causing real damage so 
I was just thinking that that chaos that's in that built into the mix might kind of be a corollary to the the chaos that comes from finding this this imagine that this power tool that allows you to create the mix. It's like suddenly your life goes out of control. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and there's a sense of like, you know, uh, <laughs> to you, you were you, you compared it to Spider Man. There is a sense of like power responsibility dynamic, and you know whether or not like whether or not they want it that responsibility it's it's kind of been thrust upon them at this point and they they don't have a choice but to to roll with it and there's something to be said for a superhero that doesn't immediately step into the role that they have to become comfortable with it and they they almost rebel against it a little bit to whatever degree they can no even though they, they ultimately have to do what they have to do right yeah i i always really appreciate as long as it's like in fitting with the character, you know, a sense of hesitancy when this sort of awesome power is thrust upon you. And I also really appreciate someone who gets cool powers and immediately goes, this is awesome. And this is cool. Cause that is, you know, there's, there's always the little kid in you that, that wants to see that as well. Um, but yeah, we, we sort of thread the needle by, you know, when they realize what's going on, it's, it feels great and it feels awesome. And, and they're, uh happy to get into the action and then once the sort of the consequences of of their actions and the danger that they're putting themselves in starts to sink in we see their reaction from that and uh it gets you know from their point of view it gets serious very quickly when you say from their point of view is it does it seem serious to the reader I mean, I would say there's definitely serious moments and uh, there's real problems that, you know, intersect with uh, or that the characters have to deal with beyond just punching the big monster. Uh, but we keep it lighthearted. We don't we don't make it too much for, you know, or do much for the hand for the reader to handle or for that matter to like discongruous with with what you're expecting to read. It's still fun. It's still light. It's still actiony, um, but it has that layer of like you know, the, uh, the characters are taking it seriously, and and the reader you know has that sense of of sort of stakes, emotional stakes as a result. I'm not in the business of giving out spoilers, so I'm completely fine with leaving it at that. Sure. I, I want people to look at, your, look at your Kickstarter. I want them to get on board with picking up the back issues on this comic i want them to go ahead and pick up the next one mm -hmm. how do you find the kickstarter process because you've been through the process a couple of times now and it seems to be old hat for you at this point sure uh it's uh it it uh leaves me a nervous wreck every time uh it never gets easier um no i mean i have i have good practice with it and i and i know you know i, I i've gotten really good at sort of dealing with the metrics and and learning what a successful campaign looks like and how to make sure that that things go relatively smoothly but there is always a sense of like can i be doing more should i be doing more and and kickstarter is not something that gives you a lot of immediate feedback generally the results you're seeing now is work that you put in two three weeks ago so uh it can be very overwhelming um and learning to deal with that is a skill set in its own right. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's a big event. It's a lot of stress, and I'm uh, I'm I'm learning how to mediate that in my life without burning myself out. 
Not going to say 100% I've gotten there yet, but but we're working toward it. But it is definitely tough. And burnout is definitely a real thing, especially when we live in a world where our creative endeavors typically aren't the ones that keep our lights on. Absolutely. And um, I, I like to talk about Kickstarter because I love Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. But I recognize that it's not a one tool fits all. It doesn't it doesn't solve every problem. And there are hurdles to it as well that I, I like to make sure that people you know talk about. And and you know, because you're not the only comic person out there. I know a lot of people in the audience might be thinking of launching their own Kickstarters as comic creators. What kind of advice would you give them, given that you just gave some right there? Sure. Yeah, no, it's it's a big part of it is um is is sort of the emotionally managing or being able to to yeah uh, manage your emotions during the process um you know uh i would say look at as many uh active and previously successful kickstarters as possible see what they're doing see what the trends like see what the commonalities are grab what you like leave behind what you don't um you know, it really, you need to put in a lot of footwork before you, uh, before you actually launch your first uh, uh, campaign, and uh, yeah, it's it, it. There, there's literally never a guarantee of success, so you need to be uh, on top of it. If you are wanting to go to Kickstarter as a comic creator, and let's say you your dream is to publish a 30, 40 page comic. What, how much of that comic should be done before you actually launch your Kickstarter? Best case scenario. Right. I mean, the more you have done, the better, um, because that just shortens the amount of time you have between the end of the campaign and fulfillment, uh, which is, you know, less of a sword hanging over your head. Uh, and also the more you get to to show off and the more you can say that you have done. Um, but money is a real practical concern uh, and I am not made of it. So generally what we do is uh, for, you know, our 20 page issues, we have five or six uh, sample pages inked, colored and lettered and ready to go uh, on display for, for everyone to, to see so they can get a feel for what the art looks like, what the writing is like, you know, how the comic flows uh, before they commit to it. Um, and, and that's generally all you need in terms of a sample but you do need to be upfront with people that's like this is what we have this is what we could afford to make right now we're relying on you to to get it done i like that approach because it does show the audience or the potential customer that you know you guys know what you're doing you have something you can give them to kind of sample the the wares and it builds confidence that there's more to come and and you guys have a track record too which is even better yeah absolutely we i mean yeah this is our 10th uh kickstarter Um, congratulations yeah (laughs) um and not all of you know uh we uh so far eight have been successful one has been unsuccessful that was that was a big risk that we took and we knew that we uh might not make it we were fine you know we 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 went into that knowing that um but for the most part we've had a really good run of things um and it's just been about you know, building and maintaining the audience and making sure that we're putting out as high quality stuff as possible. And for that matter, uh, making sure that when it leaves, you know, it leaves relatively, hopefully on time in really good condition, gets to people in one piece and and looks really good when it gets there. 
Just got a random question for you to get back to the comic itself here. Sure. Uh, um, are you at all influenced by gaming web comics? <laughs> um, not not particularly. Like, don't get me wrong. I I love uh, XKCD, and there, there's a bunch of web comics that I really enjoy. But in terms of your like, you know, uh, your Penny Arcade and your your uh, Control Delete, I, I was never I was never super into them when they were uh, like when they were really big and and sort of uh, the main thing to uh, look at. And I've only become really aware of them in retrospect. Um, I would say more my influences are like uh, I'm, there's a lot of really great indie comic creators I can point to as influences. Uh, uh, Brian Lee O'Malley and uh, Dan Waters, Ram V, um, <clears throat> all of whom have have really incredible books going on right now. Um, but also, I have also like my I grew up uh, wanting to be a prose writer, and I still want to be a prose writer, and and have written a lot of prose. Um, so. Yeah, Kurt Vonnegut and uh, and Jennifer Egan and uh, Joseph Heller, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and Ernest Hemingway, J.D. Salinger. Those are those are like the people I think back to as like my influences. Um, and then uh, I love movies as well. I will absolutely devour cinema if I can. Uh, so yeah, I I you know love you know works like uh, uh, Eternal Sunshine and Spotless Mind and. Uh, the Scott Pilgrim movie is my favorite movie of all time. Do not at me. It's amazing. Um, uh, so yeah, I, I, there's tons of stuff that I draw from. Uh, yeah, web, uh, web comics are relatively new for me. And most of the ones that I read and, and keep up with are either uh, gag-a-day, you know, like relationship style comics or really niche stuff that, uh, that my friends are putting out. <laughs> I just felt the need to ask that just because there were moments early on in the comic where it felt like a more refined, more nuanced version of some of the web comics I'd read ages ago, like you said, in their heyday. Sure. Oh, there's definitely the element of like, you know, uh, a couple guys sitting on a couch, you know, talking about, you know, stuff that doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I can totally see why you would say that. Uh, but, and, 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 and I, I, I think part of the joke, especially as, um, as as issues go on is like hey why can't we go back to the couch that was nice <laughs> and, and that's something that the, the couch conversations it's something that our generation really does seem to get a lot mm. um kind of starting with the the seinfeld show about nothing thing and and the, we had so many iterations of that concept um, right and you said on your website you said that you have been telling stories for as long as you can remember and I can see that in what you're describing there, describing talk about Vonnegut and, and cinema. And I, I really would like to know how you made the transition to deciding you wanted to do a, a graphic story rather than just sitting down and, and cranking out a novel, because clearly you have ambitions in both areas. Sure. Well, it was it's sort of a, a confluence of, of a bunch of stuff. This is like where the road ended, but it it it's, I've, I've tried a little bit of everything and I've, I've been rather successful at, at a number of things. Um, I went to school for uh, for screenwriting and I've, I have won uh, like some awards in, in uh, film festivals and such. Uh, and that's really great, but I, I found that process uh, really difficult because you're relying on so many people to pull their weight. 
Um, if you've ever, you know, looked at behind the scenes of even small films, it's it's just monstrous productions. It's expensive. If anyone slacks, the whole thing falls apart. Frankly, the fact that any movies get made ever is a miracle, and you should appreciate it. Good doesn't have anything to do with it. Hi, baby. Um, so I got a little bit annoyed and frustrated with that, and that's what uh, spurred me on to start writing uh, prose more. Uh, and the problem I have there, aside from the fact that it's just lonely, it's you and a computer and, and you know, day in and day out, and that's all it is. Um, it's also brutally uh, difficult to, to sort of break into from a publishing perspective. Um, it's very gatekeepy, and there's a million people trying to do it, and there's all these, you know, hundreds of years of bad ideas and, and backlog and middlemen standing between you and trying to get a book published. Um, and uh, it was sort of being frustrated with both of those systems. Uh, I, uh, Dalton, my, my good friend and co-writer on this book, convinced me to give comics a shot. Um, and it's sort of the perfect marriage of the two. I get to, uh, it, it's, it's still collaborative. So I get to work with a lot of people and, and bring a lot of people together to create a common vision that is you know, stronger than maybe what I would be making on my own. But it's not so big that I feel like I'm going to pull my hair out because, you know, uh, some random person down the line, you know, forgot to bring a green binder or something. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's a little bit more reined in. Uh, it gives, and it gives me the space to tell stories at a, at a good scope without worrying too much about things like production costs and whatnot. There's still money involved, but it doesn't get nearly as expensive as, as, as it can in film. Um, and, and furthermore, the, the more I do it, the more I, I love the medium itself. Uh, it's, it's not like I'm doing this until I can get, you know, a, my novel made or my screenplay made. I love comics for their own sake. And I, I would, you know, given the choice, I would still continue to work here. Uh, even if uh, I would also throw in like a novel or something as well. Well, that's pretty darn cool. Now, <laughs> if you're going to, you've got a Kickstarter ready to go here. Mm -hmm. um, so obviously somebody goes ahead and they become a sponsor of the Kickstarter. Sure. They're going to get a comic book. Yes. What are you throwing in at the top of that to kind of encourage somebody to give a little bit more? Absolutely. Well, every, uh, wh whether you get a digital copy or a physical copy, uh, your name goes in the book uh, as, as sort of a, a sponsor of it on the thank you page. Um, we have, uh, we, we start low with the digital copy just to encourage everyone to come in and get it. You also get a digital copy if you get a, uh, a print copy of any kind. Um, and aside from our standard copy, we also have a deluxe edition which uh, includes a ton of back matter, um, page breakdowns, uh, extra scripts, uh, stuff that no one's seen before, character designs, logo breakdown. Uh, if you want to know like everything about how the comic works and, and functions and, and see a bunch of cool stuff that no, one's, no one else is going to see, we have that there for you. We also have uh, a really beautiful... Uh, uh, hollow foil cover that's just like a beautiful display copy uh, as well as 30% off everything that we have from posters to uh, a tier that is just 30% off everything you get stickers posters 
all three copies of the book, signatures on everything, uh, for yeah, thirty percent off what it would be. So we we kept the selection kind of simple and small, but there's still definitely enough for for you to uh, pick your poison. I was actually going to joke about there being a hollow foil cover. The fact that you said there actually is one. I love that. Yeah. It is such like a cliche 90s gimmicky thing, but it's like, no, but it was popular for a reason. They look awesome. They look really good. And the other thing is we tend to uh, we tend to do glossier, heavier paper on the uh, hollow foil covers because we're already going with, you know, uh, something that looks really distinct anyway so on those the colors really really pop uh and it's just if, if you like that style of just like heavy glossy you know beautiful rich color scheme and and heavy pages then yeah it's absolutely worth going for and it there's something to it that just shows <sighs> that this is going to be something special compared to everything else that's on the newsstand that week for sure and, you know, when it's something that's the product of, it, it's a labor of love, but it's, it's, a, it's a project that's coming out of a small team that truly cares about the medium, that has a great idea that they just want to get to the world. I think that's worthy of something like that. For sure. No, I, I, I we included it as sort of a, we'll see how people feel about this uh, at first. And uh, the more we did it, the more we realized that, no, people really like it. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. We at this point, it's it's just why wouldn't we? Uh, yeah, people people usually someone is going to sign up for it, uh, and uh, usually it's a it's a decent amount. So, well, that's darn cool, and I'm glad that there's people that are able to keep, that there's small companies able to produce that sort of thing and and make it viable, uh, because you know Kickstarter has become is it literally the largest publisher of comics right now even above marvel and dc when you factor in all the independents that are working through it i i, think I, I have heard that i have not seen those numbers it wouldn't surprise me um as far as kickstarter is concerned i don't remember if it's total dollars or number of projects of successfully funded or maybe it's both but i believe comics is number two uh, behind uh, either technology or video games for uh, for Kickstarter as as like as far as uh, uh, topics go, Kickstarter are, are Kickstarter comics are huge, um, and there's a ton of them being made, and a lot of them are really really good. One of my favorite comics of all time was made on Kickstarter. It was actually uh, one that encouraged me to uh, go to Kickstarter as as a really you know competitive. Uh, uh, not prestigious, but like there wouldn't be a stigma attached to it generally, which is what I was worried about going into it is people are going to think, eh, it's a Kickstarter comic, who cares? Um, but no, there's, you know, some of the best comics I've read in the last two or three years have been Kickstarter comics. And uh, I, I definitely think that uh, any, like any fan, especially of indie stuff, should be on there actively seeking out uh, new stuff because it's just bursting with imagination and, and uh really incredible uh books and creators on there to be seen I, there's something about like when you say kickstarter technology there's definitely that's a whole different world and yeah it comes it's with, very different it, it <laughs> but, is and, and the numbers they bring in are massive to the point that it it, it feels like you were you know, we share a name, we're mm -hmm. like, we're under the banner of Kickstarter, but it, it could not be more of a different, like, 
thing going on over there. In a good way for you. What I'd like to point out to people is that I, I there's a, a whole bunch of technology projects I could point to that went way sideways. Yeah. And that's because when you're making technology, you're making something completely new. The engineering has to be done from scratch. The production has to be done from scratch. The distribution done from scratch. It's a, it's a whole level of complication. But when it comes to something like a film or a comic or a book, something yeah. where the, the, the means of making it is well established, we just need the content to go into it. It's a much lower level of risk and that it's worth taking a chance on somebody as long as they show that they can find their ass from a hole in the ground. Okay, I mean, seriously. Right. I, yeah, there, there's definitely, uh, there's more sort of resources available to uh, to comic creators because comics have been a thing for, you know, over a hundred years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's, it, it's, it's not the easiest thing in the world to put a comic together, but with the right know-how, you know, anyone can do it. Uh, and yeah, if you see someone that has five, 10 projects under their belt, you can be reasonably certain that when they get funded, they're, you're going to get a comic at the end of the day. 100%. Yeah. Said, and the, the... For this, for this project in particular, um, we, all the art is done. Everything is ready. We're just waiting until, you know, the last day, the money to come in so that we can ship it to the printer and, uh, get it sent out. But this will be a very fast turnaround because, there's no art to make. We're we're done. <laughs> so when you're done, and that comic ships, how far out are you seeing this project go? Where is Mecca uh, <clears throat> Mecca Mechaton. going from here? Sorry, uh, right there. we have uh, we have two more arcs planned, mm-hmm. uh, and we're right now we're planning on doing uh, uh, two arcs, three issues each, thirty two pages per issue. Uh, so about the same number of pages as the first arc, but split up a little bit differently so that we can get it out a little bit faster. Uh, just the nature of Kickstarter being what it is. Um, so, you know, in terms of how long that's going to take, I, you know, I hope it doesn't take forever. But uh, I, you know, the the more support that we see and the more people who are interested in it, the faster we can get it out, um, truthfully. So... Yeah, I, I see it going at least to uh, issue, what would that be, 6, 7, 8, uh, 9, 10, 11. Um, and then if, you know, if it turns around and people want more and we have a good, uh, you know, we have, we feel like we have a good way of, of continuing it, we would love to make more. <laughs> if, I, if I could work on Mechaton for the rest of my life, I'd be happy to do that. I want to help you make that happen, for sure. If there's anything I can do to help you out, let me know. Uh, where can people find your adventures on the web? Where can they check the Kickstarter? Where can they follow the future adventures of Mechaton? Absolutely. Well, uh, the Kickstarter uh, launched today. Uh, you can find it at kickstarter.com. Just search for Mechaton. It'll be the first thing that comes up, probably. Um, I hope. Uh, and uh, if you need somewhere more specific to look, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Wells Thomp, T-H-O-M-P. Um, you can also find my website, wellsthompson.com. That will have a link to it as well. Um, also of note, I have a newsletter, Comics, Cats, and Cocktails, where we talk about all those things. That is the easiest way to keep track of me and what I'm doing because, you know, Twitter is, we'll call it unreliable at times. I would just uh, say that. Yep. yep. Yeah. <laughs> 
So uh, if, if you need a place to uh, keep an eye on, on stuff that I'm putting out, whether it's uh, preview pages for, for co comics or when the next Kickstarter is launching, uh, that is always the best place to check. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for being here. I'd be glad to have you back anytime. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on. I would like to thank Wells for being my guest today, and I would like to thank you for listening. If what we're talking about here, getting Kickstarter comics out there to boost the indie market, is the kind of thing you like, then I'm going to ask two things of you. One, head on over to Kickstarter and check out Wells' campaign and see if what he's talking about is the kind of thing you'd like to be reading. And second, no matter what, if you're talking with an independent comic creator, even somebody who's just now at the stage where they're maybe sketching some notes in the margins of a notebook or doing some doodles and they have ambitions of being a comic creator, use Wells as an example of what you could do if you put your mind to it. Use him as a success story because that's what he is. He's had several successful Kickstarter campaigns run. He has comic books on the market right now and that's the dream of many people wanting to make their own comic. So please go ahead and send this information out to those co potential comic creators down the road. When you do, write to me at bossigpodcast.yahoo.com or follow me on social media at Aaron Bossig. You can find me there on Instagram, Twitter, and Blue Sky. Please subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next time.